Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. magic is like if Gooper No, fun. it's like you don't have to go find your path. You just have to relax and let your path find you. Time isn't real. Math isn't real. If you focus on magic, you will create magic. That's like a 100% John Stamos guarantee. You really can manifest Vibe anything higher. you want. Vibe higher, bitch. Vibe higher. Vibe higher, bitch. Vibe higher. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Superficial Magic, the most magical place on the planet. Ooh. I am your host, Megan Granger. As always, producer Crystal Chris in the house. Hey. Literally, we're in our house. Hi. Hey, how are you? Um, great. How are you? Super good. Super yeah, good. I actually am too. This is really fun. Today's uh today's episode is with a woman named Chelsea Quint. Uh huge. Obsessed. Oh my god, I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, we've gotten a few requests to interview her um from people working with her. So I reached out. She was kind enough to talk to me. I love this episode. It feels like it's like an hour long aha moment. Do you know what an aha moment is? Mm, aha. I don't know. What, <laughs> it's maybe, from Oprah. Kinda. It's Oprah. Oh, okay. it, Oprah coined it. Oh, really? It's when she goes, aha. Ooh. I get it. Aha. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there were so many things in this episode that I was like, uh-huh. Oh, damn. If you do it slower, it's. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I get it now. Um and I don't know what I was editing it last night. Number one, there was like a helicopter landing on our house for a part of it. And so I had to take out something really cool she said, which was I asked her, we talk a lot about purpose and um surviving versus thriving and blocks and chakras and all of that fun stuff. But I was like, so can you uh, have a happy life if you don't find your purpose? And she was essentially like, kind of, I guess you could just, you know, be on a yacht, like eating strawberries. But at this time in the world, even that would kind of, you'd be like, why the fuck am I doing this? The world's falling apart. Like we all need to use our purpose, you know? Wow, yeah. So it's important to find one because... Yeah, sometimes I just feel like, whatever, I can't find it. It's fine. Yeah. It's not fine. You feel like that? Well, I used to. Yeah. Yeah. Until I met you guys, listeners. (laughs) 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 So, uh, yeah, Chelsea Quint, dude. Fucking awesome, awesome, awesome. You can find her on Instagram at Chelsea.Quint, and she has a website, and it's really, really rad. Now, um, do you want to hear the quote of the day or not? Is that stupid? Childhood trauma can lead to an adulthood spent in survival mode, afraid to plant roots, to plan for your future, to trust, to let joy in. It is a blessing to shift from surviving to thriving. It is not simple, but there is more than survival. That is Dr. Thomas from Word Porn. I love that. So let's fucking embrace the uncertainty. Let's bring some love down to this planet and dimension and rock it out. We can do it. Yeah. Rock it out. Rock it out. Enjoy the episode, guys. Come follow me on Instagram and join the Superficial Magic Facebook group. Superficial Magic Vibrators. Bye. Hi, Chelsea. Hi. I thought we'd start off by talking to you because 
I'm, I was reading everything you've done. You've done everything under the sun. Um, first off, I'll also add that you were recommended to me as a guest by a few people who are working privately with you. So that's really cool. Oh my gosh. I have the biggest smile on my face because <laughs> as much as right, like I would really like to be, I'm so enlightened and external validation does not affect, it still affects me, <laughs> especially yeah. that kind of external validation. Cause while, yeah, it's external validation. It's people like liking me and approving of my work whatever. But beyond that, what that says to me is like, yay, my whole purpose and mission in my work is, uh, is working. So right? I, there's no better feeling. Like when did you realize, oh shit, this is where I want to go with my life? Yeah. So it's kind of one of um, the answer is kind of from day one that I was like conscious as a human Um, and also there's a very specific, like in adulthood Chelsea moment. So the kind of like growing up with two parents who relationship is complicated as can be. And one of the greatest gifts I got from them, from them both was that they, in very, very different ways, were both really, really interested and focused on impact. My mom in particular started when I was really, really, really young. My older brother had passed away a couple years prior. He was on the autism spectrum and she decided really beautifully before like turning pain into purpose was like a really cute meme on Instagram. (laughs) My mom decided to be like, yo, my older brother, like her son had died and obviously massive pain, massive trauma, lots of just stuff in there. And within about 18 months of his death, she started a therapy intensive camp for kids with autism and their families that still exist to this day. And now there are schools and all the things, right? So wow, I spent my summers at first, obviously, you know, when I was four, I wasn't working the camp, but I was in sibling camp with all these people's siblings. And every summer I spent like when we moved out of California, I, we'd come back every summer and I've had this knowing that just this drive, right? This intrinsic drive that whatever I'm going to invest my time in this life and in this body doing, it has to leave an impact, has to do good. I love that. Do you think that the universe kind of gives us painful circumstances that align with our purpose? Like, is the, is the purpose always in the pain? Because it feels like it is, kind of. I feel like it's a yes and, right? Because <laughs> Let's I, do some I, improv with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, again, I feel like that, the pain and the purpose, like, gets so boiled down to this cute thing to say on Instagram that a bunch of people are going to share and then you're going to get the whatever. Like, it gets boiled down. And I always like to be really conscious of, and not even like to, I have to be really conscious of, how potentially damaging, right? There are two sides of the coin. To say to someone, like, I think about what, um, I'm going to go dark. Survivors of the Rwandan genocide. Yeah. Are we going to really sit here and be like, okay, you guys had to go through that to get to your purpose. Totally. Totally. That doesn't entirely sit right with me, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I always like to kind of hold that asterisk that this is a complicated topic that it like, I mean, hell, we could do a whole dissertation and a PhD on pain and purpose and dharma and all of that. But as a general blanket statement rule, yes, I do think there is always, there is always gold in the darkness. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I just, in my own life, I was, like, my trauma came from my parents being super religious and very, like, hell, 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 and I kind of got stuck on that and obsessed with it, and now my purpose feels like just freeing people from their own hells that, you know, because I was able to untangle myself from damning myself to one. So I always think, like, oh, shit, I feel like that was a little roadmap for me, like, all this trauma. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you wouldn't like, you could intellectually, because here's the thing. I think we can like manufacture our purpose Mm. from the really cognitive, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to do this. Then I, here's my college major and I study, right? You can like learn knowledge and have a purpose that feels fulfilling in some way that way. And a person who learns intellectually how to liberate people from their own hells is not going to be able to hold a candle to what you are able to do because you have that lived embodied experience of it. Right. Okay. So you kind of always knew that this was what was meaningful in life. Yeah. I had no idea. Well, no, I did have a lot of ideas of what it would look like. I was just wrong when I was a teenager. (laughs) Oh my God. Not surprising. (laughs) Yeah. So then as an adult, did you have like a, a moment where you were like, oh fuck, this is my... I'm just always so curious about when people have a clear purpose. Like, is it something that just slowly evolves or did it snap into place one day? So... I am so much always a, it's both and always like, I'm, I just play so much in the sort of duality of everything. I love um, it. So it is, so it is simultaneously. Yes, there were, um, there was a like drop in moment that really started pivoting things for me and it is continuing to evolve. Right. If I look at like, I've been doing this whole coaching thing officially, like my first client was January, 2017. And it has like, dude, what, what my quote unquote purposes has changed. Like, how do I measure my purpose? Is it what my Instagram bio says? Is it the program I'm running? Like it's changed a thousand times. And I think that where, where so many people end up getting stuck is in this idea that your purpose is an individual thing that one day will drop in and you'll have your perfect Mm. elevator pitch and the angels will say like, yeah, yeah. And from my experience, you may have some of those moments. And I think that those moments, like purpose is a lifelong exploration. Uh, It's like Oprah said, it's a process. (laughs) I'm not like... (laughs) Yes. Oprah knows. Oprah knows. Damn it, Oprah. You you mentioned 2017. I was reading your bio and that was an <laughs> awful year for you. It's also the year you got your first client. Yep. How did you... Ju- okay. Your dad committed suicide. I'm so sorry to hear that. Your husband... Was he cheating on you? Is that what I read? Just trauma all over the place. Yep. He was cheating. I was separated. It's come. I could not have written... No. A more ridiculous year if I tried. That was your life and you're like drowning. Obviously on the outside, it sounds like Jesus Christ, what, how, ugh, like it sounds awful, but it was one of the greatest, like I am so purely unconditionally grateful for that time in my life. Why? (laughs) I know. People are like, who are you? You are a freak. What? Um, And like kind of, yes. But so I... And I don't think we all, I don't think we have to learn through pain. It is the path I have most often ended up in. Oh God, me too. (laughs) I don't think we have to. I don't think it's required that we suffer to learn. What it really forced, I was going to say aloud, but no, it was forced. What it really shoved (laughs) me to the ground to do 
was I took like five months to be really, really insular and internally focused and rest. And I had, I not I had, I got myself truly insane levels of support. I got really intentional about who and what I consumed information from. And ultimately on the other side of that, I was really able to walk out with this like this sort of unfuckwithable sense of being. Oh, I like that. I mean, to tie it back to the sort of purpose piece, right? The work that I do, like I, it is a regular occurrence in my business that clients tell me things that they've never told anyone before. Yeah. Like the big, deep shame, like they're, and the things that to use like your language of like keeping them in their hell the things that are so shameful, so ugly, so disgusting to them that they're like, I could never tell anyone. As a facilitator, you've got to be able to wade through all of your own hells and demons and shadows and all the things so that you can know. Like, I feel so confident after that internal hellscape I went through. Yeah. There's nothing you can say to me that I won't be like, all right, interesting. Let's explore this. <laughs> cool. Been, been there. Purpose is a big part of what you talk about. Do you think everyone has one? Yes. So is purpose just kind of an intention, uh, like your biggest intention of what you can bring to the earth and doing that every day and it kind of gives your life meaning? Is that, is that what it is? Because I honestly don't really know what purpose is. <laughs> I hear you. And I actually, I love that you're asking this question. And I think where a lot of people get tripped up is that one is that purpose has become this commoditized thing. And where so many people get tripped up is that you start feeling like a, your purpose is intrinsically only the thing you do in exchange for money. Yeah. And, or your purpose is related and related to what you produce, right? Like your output or how productive you are. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I think of it. It's, it's like, oh, if you're not on wall street, you don't have a purpose is basically what I was taught growing up, you know? So, so then how do we get out of that? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) So first we break down what it is not. And then I think as we touched on a little bit is recognizing that purpose is, as, as Oprah says, it is an ever evolving process. And to me, purpose is, is essentially your true North, so to speak, right? Your purpose is the thing or expression or curiosities or healing that if you were left to your own devices, like the things that keep you up at night, when you're left to your own devices, if you walked into a library or a bookstore, where do you naturally go? What are you naturally curious about, right? If someone gave you, I love this question, say you weren't afraid of public speaking to anyone who is, and if someone gave you a mic and was like, cool, you got a TED talk, the entire world is listening, pretend you're not afraid. (laughs) What are you going to say? Right? What matters to you enough that you would feel some sort of drive to share it with people. So many people feel like, well, if I'm not an entrepreneur or a business coach, or I don't make $100,000 a year, or I'm not on Wall Street, then I'm a loser and I have no purpose. Nonsense. Mm. Some people's purpose is being an incredible parent. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily have to make you money. Right. Exactly. It also can, 100%. 
And I'm kind of of the opinion that when you start to take the pressure off of maybe my purpose has nothing to do with how I make money and you just let yourself do a thing to generate income that feels like fun or easy or whatever, then all of a sudden you can start to play and play your way to discovering purpose. And I really like play pleasure. One, this is because I love alliterations, but also it just makes sense. Play and pleasure, I think, are really the way for you to discover what purpose is. Yeah, so kind of just exploring the space, no uh, expectations, uh, just kid shit. Exactly, right. And moment by moment, what would, and I talk talk about this constantly when I am in like business coaching and working with people who do want to make money from purpose. I see so many people trying to drop into like, what is the program or the thing? It's never about the thing. Cause like maybe on your deathbed, you'll know what the thing is that is going to be your like Wikipedia bio. <laughs> yeah. But maybe not. Like it's probably not going to happen right now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you see like most commonly in people that have a really strong purpose versus people you, you say uh, also like thriving versus surviving, which I love because I've been thinking about that a lot lately, definitely have been in survival mode most of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm finally ready to snap into some thrive mode. Um, yeah. So what, what is somebody thriving? Like what, what do you see in them usually? What does that look like? I think there are a couple of sort of key, key indicators. Having a sense of purpose may or may not be like, I think you can be in survival mode and still be like, I know what my purpose is, but I'm really struggling. One of the big things is conscious versus unconscious or proactive versus reactive, whatever language you want to use. Choices in sort of the day-by-day existence. So what that looks like is, are you waking up and you know, the feeling of going through the motions of your day, whether it's like you get in your car and you drive and you don't even realize how you got to work. And then you go to work and then like, you're not conscious and present. You're just sort of reacting and responding to the external demands or shoulds or how your life has played out thus far, that sort of reactive, not being in the driver's seat of your life biologically happening is the like logical, conscious, higher self, higher thinking part of your brain is not present. Okay. It's just kind of sleeping. (laughs) It is. It's completely sleeping because your body's like, that's not important. Thinking and being conscious and higher states of being aren't important if part of your body thinks like, oh, we might die. Not sure. Mm, So presence. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then the ability to, from that place of presence, make conscious, intentional decisions about how you're going to invest your time, about what kind of partnerships you want to, and proactively deciding how you want to react, who you want to be, instead of going through the motions, not being present. I think the only thing that's really worked of getting me out of survival mode and into thriving mode is just complete surrender. Just Uh, taken so long to kind of nurture into being a choice I can choose. But uh, yeah, when I surrender, I can, I can let go of that survival shit. Otherwise I am so stuck in just high alert, panic, ridiculous, not living mode. Yeah. Well, and I think I, to me, surrender in 2017 is exactly what was forced upon me. 
Totally. That's why it was like so powerful is because I was like, okay, I guess I have no choice now. Right. For those of us who have spent and whatever your background is, if it's big T traumas or little T traumas or whatever, extended periods of time in this panic survival mode, surrender is actually one of the most terrifying things for you to do because surrender means letting go of that vigilance, which means you're vulnerable. Completely. It's so scary. And yeah, it's a daily, daily habit for me mm-hmm. to, to work on for sure. What about if people have blocks? You, you talk a lot on your website and stuff about blocks. Like what exactly is a block? Is it just kind of a bunch of thoughts that we have that have formed a limiting belief kind of? Yes. And so first I want to just say blocks and limiting beliefs and patterns and stories and all of this language, truth be told, makes me a little nuts mm-hmm. because a lot of it, I think, creates a really disempowered relationship where I see so many people say, oh my gosh, if only I had more money, but I'm just so blocked around money or I'm so blocked around relationships or I have this limiting belief for this pattern or this story and they give their power away to that external thing. And I use the language because people, to some extent, understand what it means or can relate to the experience of it. I, part of me is like, oh, I might have to go edit my website and <laughs> use the word blocks less. But so, so essentially, to me, a block, a limiting belief, a pattern, what, they're all really interchangeable. It is some way of being, of thinking, of feeling that is preventing you from getting what you want, doing what you want, being who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I have a few of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we all do, right? Like one of, the, one of the other false narratives that exists is that one day we'll all be block free. Like, I don't think so. I don't think that's real. <laughs> no, of course not. No. no, it's just always another Oprah process of which block you're going to be working on. And... Yeah of getting faster at noticing, ooh, I started to act in a funky way. I don't really like that. Let me come back to the way I want to act and who I want to be and how I want to feel. I just want to take a minute to jump in and talk about blocks here. Um, As a lot of the listeners know who have listened to this for a while now, I have struggled with addiction and I did not know that it was addiction that I was struggling with. Uh, I thought it was a million other things, but luckily I started talking to somebody and they were able to point out where I should start exactly. So I just wanted to tell everybody that you can go to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, and you can talk to an online counselor right now. It's super easy, it's affordable, and it is something that you deserve to do for yourself. So visit betterhelp.com backslash believe, that's better H-E-L-P, and join over 700,000 people. That's a lot of people, Chris with the help of an experienced professional. And we have a special offer for Superficial Magic listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com backslash believe, B-L-E-A-V. Damn, I wish we had that 10 years ago. Fuck yeah. Would have helped a lot. <laughs> have you worked with anyone that you're like, holy shit, they just dropped a huge block? Like, Yes. And I've had, I'm immediately thinking of some stories um, (laughs) where I've been like, okay, (laughs) let's roll up the sleeves. Let's go. One of, I mean, it's from everything, right? It's from stories around money. So here, my sort of process for this is at first, just you just let a client, like if I sit across from anyone and I just let you talk for a while about like, what's going on with your life? Eventually, 
I am going to see something that I'm like, Ooh, there's some funky, interesting thinking. Mm. And then we start to explore. Okay, cool. So, and I kind of, I go into it like a variety of different ways, but usually I have people first, like they identify whatever the block is, whatever the story is. And I have people actually get really present with where that story block feeling experience, whatever we want to call it is living in their bodies. So kind of when you think about it, where do you feel it? Exactly. And getting really intimate with that of what does it feel like? Is it tight? Is it hot? Is it big? Is it cold? Does it have a color? Does it have a texture? Does it have a name? Is there energy coming out? Whatever. Getting as intimate as you can with that experience in your body. Because all of a sudden you're starting to create not just psychological, mental, cognitive brain healing and releasing, but you're bringing your biology along for the ride. You're bringing your subconscious mind that has been holding this thing along for the ride. Yeah. I was at lunch the other day with a girlfriend and we were talking about where we feel our, we were both anxious about something. And I was like, oh, it's in my heart. And she was like, it's in my throat. And I was like, it's in your throat. What are you talking about? It should be in your heart. And then another friend was like, I hold it here. And I was just like, what? It, it surprised me. I thought everyone was feeling exactly what I was feeling, but I guess that's ridiculous. And I'm sure people like, it depends moment by moment and block by block. Like, yeah, everyone is different. And that's also, so why it's important to really connect to where it is in your physical body Mm -hmm. and start to build. I really think of it as building relationship with that, that part of you. The next thing that I have people explore is really asking how old is it? People tend to interpret that in one of two ways, either how long has it been with you or how old were you when it first came up? I'm fine with honestly either way. Cause again, this is a really like, it's about subconscious work, right? It's not, a, it's not at all in the sort of logical brain space. Uh-huh. Oftentimes if it is an older self, there's also a younger self underneath the older self. Right. Right. Okay. But yeah, I've had for the most part, it's, I would say actually under 10 is usually yeah. what I get. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of skepticism. People, some people will be like, I think it was when I was six months old. That makes no sense. I'm like, don't, this is not logical. Right. <laughs> Trust it. If, if six months is what came through, great. That's what we're going to work with. Got it. And then we really start to essentially unblocking, rewriting, reprogramming again, whichever sort of buzzword you want to use that experience, which is essentially what you want to do once you've identified, okay, it was when I was six months old. That's where the story that it's not safe for me to be seen came from. Okay, cool. When you were six months old, what did you need to know, to believe, to hear, to experience, to make it feel safe for you to be seen? Who did you need it from? Who do you need it from now? All of this, I either like guide clients through this. It can be a journaling practice. It really can be whichever modalities work best for your being, for your consciousness to really flow through. And then what you do is essentially, and like you use your imagination to create a somatic experience, which is just a body experience of getting the thing you needed. Our like cerebral cortexes, the newest fancy, shiny human part of our brain can think us into a feeling. Yes. Right. Most of us are like, oh, I know I can think myself into anxiety or panic or money stress or (laughs) thinking that the guy I'm dating hates me, whatever. Right. Totally. But the thing is, you can think yourself the opposite way as well. You can imagine your way into feeling whatever you needed to feel when you were six, month, six months old. 
Mm, and can you feel your way into the thought too? If it's easier to just yes. jump straight to the feeling? Okay. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yes, yes, yes. Honestly, thoughts, like if, if you can jump right into the feeling, you, you don't need the thoughts. You can think them if you like. Um, but it, it is a, it's a two-way street. Doing that, honestly, when you start out, especially if you're doing it sort of self-led, which you 1 million percent can, you do not need a guru or healer or whatever. Like you can heal your own shit. But I start out as a daily practice. Uh, daily kind of looking at where it, where it's landing or just like exploring different questions with it daily. So again, there, one of my big things is like anti-dogma. I'm never mm. going to be like, this is the prescription for everybody. Yeah. Cause that's not like useful. Um, I would approach it from one of two ways. First, if there is a particular either like thing that you're working on, say you're really working on wanting to create healthier partnership relationships. Okay, cool. Then you're going to daily look at what are all, what's all my stuff around partnership? What uh, limiting beliefs do I have? What funky patterns do I have? And go through that process either one by one, right? Maybe you spend, you do on your codependent narrative and how that's living. Depending on how big they are, you might spend multiple days on one. It gets to be a really fluid, intuitive led practice. Mm. You can either, like, you can sort of progressively unblock, so to speak, or release all of that stuff around a specific subject or specific issue you're working on, wound you're trying to heal. Or if there's nothing you're currently actively, you're just like, I don't know, I want to heal. You can kind of tune in. And if you're doing this, I would probably start with either like, a meditation to just kind of see like what thoughts are buzzing about or just free write and see what's currently activated for you. Right. And drop in that way. What you also work with lastly is frequency and chakras. What? (laughs) So really, I mean, all of it, all of it is related, right? Like everything is related. You can't work on healing your relationship healing your relationships to, so that you can like have a better relationship with your clients or in your business or healing your relationship with money without exploring your relationship to like pleasure and sex and receiving. And like, it's all freaking related. So this sort of somatic work that I do, all frequency is, is different vibrations of your, like the being that you are of your physical body and how you start to play with frequencies is by creating different felt experiences, like we were just talking about, by thinking your way into a particular feeling. Mm-hmm. I I very much, and less so now than I used to be, but I, I am very much sort of a spiritual skeptic mm. is what I call it. I'm like, I really want to believe in like frequency and everything, but yeah. like show me the science or the framework or give me like some methodology that I can like sink my teeth into and be like, okay, this yeah. is what's happening. And the chakras for me at first, cause I've been a yoga teacher. I've been practicing for 11 years, 10 years and teaching for like five. So I've been aware of these ancient energy centers for a long time. And I was always like, okay, these spinning wheels and they're different colors. Like really? And then I, and I don't even remember where I found this, but I found some literature and of course like stuttered started reading like studies and medical journals and like that's the kind of <laughs> I geek out on like okay is yeah, this that's, real that's where you would go in the library 
for you. Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. Like let's read about neuroscience and totally. neuroplasticity and how trauma <laughs> affects our nerves. Yeah. hundred percent. And your chakras, especially the primary seven chakras, which are the ones most people are familiar with, actually map onto different nerve plexuses that exist in your biology that like we can literally track. Mm. We literally like you, you could cut yourself open. Don't, but like we could cut you open <laughs> and see these nerve bundles. And so there's a biological and we can start to measure their frequencies. Like there's biological and scientific evidence that chakras at the very least exist. And to me, even if you don't believe they exist, the chakras, what they provide is essentially like a map. Yeah. It's a little map, huh? Of discovering like where you've got resistance, where you've got stuff to heal, where there might be funkiness happening that's then manifesting in money, your life, your house, your relationships, what have you. So even if you're like, no, I don't know about those little energy centers, it's still a useful tool. It's still a useful map for you to walk through and be like, okay, root chakra. What's my relationship to security like? Um, I think lastly, I just want to, like you said that you used to have to hustle a lot and now Mm -hmm. you've just relaxed into your purpose and your flow. And that's my dream. And I'm sure everyone listening's dream. Do you have (laughs) any advice on how we can make that happen faster? I know you've given us a lot kind of in the beginning, but is there any other ways that we can incorporate some of this stuff into our lives? Totally. So one, going back to this idea of healing, whatever is present for you, everyone has a different sort of a different dharma to borrow some yoga terminology to heal. Like you have different stuff, different traumas, different patterns to heal. And one of the biggest things for me that's allowed this state of flow is I've gone really, really, really deep in looking at my wounded programs. A lot of that was around getting external validation from showing up and being good at what I did or being seen or making money or hustling, right? Yes. And so whatever your patterns are, do the healing work. I know it's less sexy than like manifest $10,000 quickly. Yay. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's less sexy. I get it. I know. Like I market my shit and I often talk about like, let's talk about the money stuff because it's a lot of what wounded self wants because your wounded self thinks when I have the credit card debt paid off or the happy relationship or the this or the that, then I'll be happy and I'll feel safe. It's not true. Right. It's not true. So underlying wounds. So giving your wounded self like what it actually needs. Yes. Which is always healing. Like, which is always that process of what did I need back then? Mm. What do I need to know now? And giving yourself that felt experience of stability, safety, holding yourself. Yeah. And that kind of means, I I guess if you give yourself that, then it does become playful, right? Yes. Yeah. Because then it's just kind of whatever. I'm good, but this could be fun. It's like, again, I'm like Instagram meme, but it's like might fuck around and like make 10 grand this month. I don't know. Might fuck around and get some clients. I don't know. Might fuck around and love myself. I don't know. And it's Uh, fun. Might love myself. Yeah. Yeah. Is in the energy of joy, you're open to receiving because you've healed any wounds around. It's not safe for me to have needs, to be seen, to receive. 
mm-hmm. around the other shoe dropping, whatever the stuff is, you become this limitless vessel that can hold all of the good and the love and the juiciness and the money and the sex and the whatever that it is that you want. Damn, Chelsea, yes, 2020, (laughs) I feel better about it now. Yay! And the more you do this healing work, the more you can see those, those things and feel motivated into action and continue to hold hope, fulfill whatever your purpose is, the more you heal the more you can show up. You have a lot of workshops available. Those are on your website, correct? Yes. Truth, yes. Your website? The website is chelseaquint.com. I'm Chelsea Quint on all the platforms at chelsea.quint on the gram. That's the place where I hang out the most. Cool. Well, thank you, Chelsea. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.